Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Yes, my voice is absolute trash, but welcome back to the channel, and <clears throat> welcome back to episode 300, sorry, 453 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to try and talk through some stuff. I'm getting over a cold. And so that is why my voice is not sounding very good. It has some of the post-nasal drip. I caught whatever it is from the baby Thor, uh, who is doing a lot better than I am. He, for sure, has not lost his voice by any means. Again, I guess one of the uh, blessings of, of being a, a young child in that way. But I'm doing okay. I am surviving. I sound worse than I actually feel. But anyway, we're going to be talking tonight about the box office of the upcoming weekend. We'll be talking a little bit about the Meg 2 and the overall projections for the Meg 2 and the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mayhem movie. Uh, though, of course, many people are probably going to more accurately say the, the fake TMNT movie that has been made and created by Seth Rogen. I've already heard some interesting things about it, especially from people who are fans of that franchise. And why I think that ultimately, when it comes to the Meg 2 and TMNT Mayhem, I don't think they're going to win against Barbenheimer. I think Barbenheimer is going to come out once again on top. I think Barbie is going to again be at the number one spot, with Oppenheimer likely coming in second place behind it. And why I think ultimately that we could also see Barbie beat a film like the Super Mario Brothers at the box office. I think I may have misspoken in one of the box office breakdowns. I think it was for the Geeks and Gamers channel where I had um, wrongly remembered that I had thought that Super Mario Brothers had made $1.4, $1.5 billion, when in reality it had only made around $1.3, almost $1.4 billion. Um, and with that in mind, I am very, very confident, very, very confident that we are going to end up seeing the Barbie film take the number one spot for the year. And all you need to do is just take a moment to think about the implications of that when a Barbie film is your highest grossing movie of the year with all of the garbage in it, despite what many of the people online in various communities are trying to defend the film, to say it's something that it's not actually not. It's amazing how many people are defending a movie that does not actually exist. But as I've said a few times in my box office breakdown, I digress. Let's go ahead and say hello to the chat, though. And again, <clears throat> I do apologize for the uh, garbage voice tonight. I may not be able to go the entire time. We'll see if my voice actually holds up. Let's say hello to people that we got Orange Hair Reviews in the chat. What's going on, Orange Hair Reviews? He is my king mod on the channel. Thank you very much for being here. Make sure you follow the rules. Don't spam. Don't be a jerk. And uh, remember, this is a family-friendly stream. We got Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. What's going on, Abomination? We also have King Kane Rumshki. What's going on, King Kane Rumshki? He tagged to say, it's going to be a tough for Barbie to beat Super Mario. It's really not going to be that tough, dude. It really is not going to be that tough. Um, he then says, that's one of the best grossing movies of all time. <laughs> okay. Okay, I appreciate the joke on the end. That's why I should always read the entire comment before actually uh, putting putting my commentary in there. Uh, but yeah, it was the bestest movie ever, right? It was the biggest movie of all time. I mean, don't get me wrong. It did very, very well, right? It made well over a billion dollars. Pineapple pizza was eaten. It was disgusting. And it was it, it is what it is, right? However, I do find it funny because I think that if you were to ask the vast majority of people, including people in my space who are talking about, you know, box office, who are talking about movies in general, and if you were to ask which film is going to make more money, which film is going to have a bigger audience, is it going to be Super Mario Brothers or is it going to be Barbie? And what's kind of amazing about all of it, too, is if you think about the two movies, we know that the major demographic that is driving the Barbie audience are the young Gen Z 
So it's not just the millennials, but it's actually the bigger proportion that we saw opening weekend. And I think even the second weekend was Gen Z. So Gen Z women were the biggest portion, um, or at least the Barbie film was the uh, was the one that Gen Z people were going to see. Gen Z women were going to see in much larger numbers. Now, right behind them, not too far behind them, was then millennials or Gen Y. And then it kind of just fell off a cliff after that, right? Then it dropped to Gen Gen X, was which was a lot less than those two together. And then after that, the baby boomers were pretty much non-existence in comparison to to them. And it's just interesting to see those demographics and how they they ultimately shake down. Because if you go back to Mario, whereas you would probably have found that audience was predominantly more male, I think you would also have seen bigger families, uh, more families going to see that film altogether. So... And I got to give a shout out to uh, Latino Slant because I think it was Latino Slant who had mentioned this on Valiant Renegade stream. Shout out to him as well this past Sunday where Valiant had asked him, you know, what do you think the reason as to why the film is doing gangbusters at the box office? Like, what do you think has led it? Because for people to say that it's the movie, the movie's fantastic, I think is a bit disingenuous because we have to remember that it's the marketing campaign. And the very, very impressive marketing campaign that drove the number of people opening weekend that brought the domestic to 150 plus million dollars. We also know, and this is something where I think, again, Latino Slant brought this up. Women, when they go to see movies or when they do anything, go in groups. And I was actually talking, there was a, the OMB podcast that I do for my uh, members on YouTube, on Patreon, Subscribestar, etc. for my uh, Army of Asgard level and above for on YouTube. You can check out the community post to find that episode that I did with Carrie Smith, the wonderful Carrie Smith. Thank you again, Carrie, for, for joining me on the podcast this month. But we actually even talked about this point. And she brought up something interesting, too, because she says, well, you think about it. Women even go to the bathroom together. Right. So it's not even just like a, a general statement. It's it's just a statement of fact. Right. So women who even just go to the bathroom together, of course, they're going to go see a movie together. Of course, they're going to you know, go out in groups and droves. But it's interesting how it seems that uh, women in groups are going out in such large numbers that it's going to potentially and likely at this point edge out families going to see Super Mario Brothers. And again, on paper, that is just very phenomenal. Like it, it is truly impressive. So, you know, despite my hatred for the film, because the film sucks, I do have to give kudos I have to give credit where credit is due, and they have been able to drive out an audience, which I think one could argue does not oftentimes get films that seem to be geared towards them, and I think that there's a lot of factors. I think that it's kind of this perfect storm. We have this amazing marketing campaign. You have a massive IP in Barbie. You've got all of the pink in there to the point where even people that are more susceptible to understanding the culture war stuff that's in the movie, even they are saying, oh, well, I didn't really notice it all that much. Because they were so distracted by all of this other stuff that was that was going on that they don't even really see the major problems that actually exist in the movie. So I do find it quite interesting to see the numbers as they have been panning out and to see where things have been going. But anyway, let's go ahead and j jump back into the chat. Here in the Steadfast, what's going on? Welcome back. We got Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. What's going on? He says, any must-watches this week for FNT so we don't have to skip due to as spoiling it? Oh, come on, Gary Banjo Sandwich. I mean, let's just be honest. The two biggest films coming out this weekend are The Meg 2 and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. So not really two movies that I think any of us would honestly consider to be films that are going to have major spoilers that would actually impact your enjoyment of the movie. So I would say you probably don't have to worry about anything. I do have my ticket to go see The Meg 2 on Thursday. 
it's not a film I'm looking forward to. If I'm still not feeling well, I probably will end up skipping it because I'm really just only going to see it because I know that there's a lot of people who are watching right now and who who watch my reviews who are interested in seeing it or interested in hearing my thoughts about it. But, oh, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Let's see. Abomination says, uh, Mario made $2.7 billion after inflation. Ah, yes, of course, of course. Obviously, we have to wait until we have about at least a year between the release of the movie <laughs> to get an actual rate of inflation that we can uh, that we can look to. But <laughs> Abomination, what's going on, man? Thanks for hanging out over on Odyssey. Ikthulu is a member on the channel. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Kili Chow, what's going on? Says, how are you, uh, baby Thor and Freya doing? We're all doing fine. We all have. We're all just a little bit sick. I definitely sound the worst out of the bunch by far. Uh, Brahma, what's going on, Brahma? Welcome back. Check out a stream that Bra- Brahma and I and Michelle from Force of Light Entertainment did with Carrie Smith, the amazing Carrie Smith who, who did the podcast with me this month for my uh, members, and we were on her channel last Friday where we talked about the film Nefarious for over an hour. So go check out that discussion. Because it's it's a lot of Christians all coming from different places talking about the power of that movie. We got Father Christopher Miller. Hail to you, Father. Chaplain of the channel. What's going on, Father? He says, Ahoy, ahoy to you, Father. G Monkey76 in the chat. What's going on? We got Ben Dowdy, who's a member. Hail to you. We also got Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan. How about a hockey player? What is going on, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan? I appreciate you being here. Let's see. We got Laura saying, woohoo, a versus stream. Always got to love the versus streams, right? Should be fun. Great wood in the chat. What's going on? Uh, then Laura adds, I cannot get enough Barbie talk. Yeah, I know. And that's why I was like, I could just make the entire stream focusing on the Barbie box office. And it's going to be a major component of it. But I think it's a little bit more interesting when you are taking into account the entirety of Barbenheimer as the meme that it is. And what I suspect will happen at the upcoming weekend box office, because I do think that it's going to be three weeks in a row with those two movies just dominating. Based on the early numbers we're getting as far as the projections for what uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Mayhem and The Meg 2 is expected to, to actually do. Now, these numbers will get updated over the next couple of days, as we all know, as we get closer to the release. But I, I'm going to be honest, I don't think that we can expect a whole lot from both of those films. And definitely not enough to to beat out the likes of a, a Barbie, which I think is going to come out on top. And likely the Oppenheimer effect, too, because, again, it takes two to tango in a meme uh, as like Barbenheimer. And so I think that you're going to ultimately see those two once again uh, reigning at the top. And the only film that has the chance of being able to to likely beat one of them, I think between the Meg 2 and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think that, uh, honestly, uh, the Turtles might have the better chance, at least according to the uh, overall projections, because the projections for Meg 2 have actually dropped quite a bit over the last uh, several several weeks. So, again, we'll, we'll dive into those numbers in a little bit, but yeah. Let's see. Great Wood, what's going on, man? Thank you again for being here. Wayward Noodle, what's going on? By the way, I know I have got a couple of donations. So let me go ahead and get to those right now. Let me refresh this one first off. We got Low Watermark donating via Streamlabs. Thank you very much for going around YouTube. YouTube ain't getting none of that cash. So thank you very much for that 50. 50. Can't do it. My voice is terrible tonight. Low Watermark, though, thank you for the $50 donation, man. I appreciate that. He says, Hail Odin. I hope your voice gets better. Thank you, man. I really, really do appreciate that. <laughs> I do too. 
Um, the Lord knows, and, and this is history has always proven this. Whenever I do a stream when my voice is like this, the next day, my, my voice is basically dead. Luckily, this week is just meetings back at school. We have our first meeting back actually tomorrow. Uh, so not too much talking will be required from me. So I should be able to get some uh, healing of the voice tomorrow. But low watermark, thank you very much, man. And then we also have a $10 super donation. I almost said super chat. It's not a super chat. It's a super donation via Streamlabs from Wayward Noodle. Wayward Noodle, thank you for that $10. He says, tea and honey for the pipes, bro. Yes, Wayward Noodle, thank you. Yeah, I was just thinking about it the other day. Um, I have not had tea, I think, since the last time my voice was trash on a live stream and everyone was saying, gotta have the tea, gotta have the tea. And I'm not a big tea fan. So I might have to actually brew up some tea after the stream tonight to try to help soothe the pipes a little bit. Thank you, Wayward Noodle, man. I appreciate that. Over on Odyssey, Abomination saying uh, that I'm sure this weekend we'll see a return to reason and Barbie will drop 97% in a perfect world, in a world that still had sense. Yes, that's exactly what we would see. But we know that that's not what's happening right now. We know that the Gen Z and the Gen Y, but more so Gen Z ladies, are all getting in their groups and they're all going, getting dressed in their pink. And again, if you're having fun with that, that's awesome. Just don't turn around and then say that the movie's actually good and does not have woke elements in it or that you did not see it because, I'm sorry, that, that, that don't hold water. I'm all fine for people having their own subjective views of things, but again, when it comes to objective reality, I say nay-nay. But yes, that, that would be nice, but that's not going to happen. Um, let's see. Over on Rumble, Lord Shax is hanging out. What's going on? He then also asks, any chance for Mission Impossible 7 to resurge? Uh, I just I don't think there's going to be enough gas in the tank for the movie, uh, especially domestically. We might see it have some decent legs domestically, and I honestly would not be surprised if Tom Cruise behind the scenes is, is really going to try to push for it. Now, how much can he actually do that with the actor strike? I don't know. So that might actually be an even bigger factor as to um, why the film might end up getting pulled out of more theaters than it would have had he been there to advocate and say, no, like you'd have to have faith in the film. You have to have faith in the theaters themselves. But again, I don't know. I don't know how much impact he would have had had he been in uh, had he had he not been a part of this of this uh, Hollywood strike or not. But what I can say is that internationally it's doing a lot better than what it's doing domestically. But even so, the difference between its week two and week three, not just the weekend, but the entire week difference between them was about a hundred less than a less than a hundred million dollars. Meaning that after two weeks, right, we had that two week number, we did our projections for it. And so then by the end of week three, it had only added about a hundred or a little less than a hundred million dollars. So basically, really not a whole lot. And when only you know, a, a very small amount of that is coming from the domestic. It shows that there's a lot more life internationally, but we also know internationally right now, a lot of people are going to see Barbie. A lot of people are going to see Oppenheimer, right? Th these are films that are dominating those spaces. There's more and more competition that's going to be coming out over the coming weeks and not nothing major, but these all end up, you know, adding up. So I think that is there a chance that the film will do better than what people expect? I do. I think I, I talked about this this past weekend that even though it dropped out of like a thousand theaters, it still only dropped 45%. That shows that there are still people going to see the film, just not in the numbers that it would need to, to, to be able to, to make its money back. So basically, do I think that it could leg out to do better than ex expectations? Yes. Do I think that's going to be enough? No. At this point, I would have to say no. I would love to be wrong on that one, though, because it's a great film. 
Bruce, what's going on, Bruce? Thanks for being here. JS Pena says, ahoy. What is going on? Let's see. Fox One went on to say, as actually said, he liked Barbie today. I think he is the new Ryan Cannell gay boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that way too many people are honestly, you know, if they... So there are some that are outright saying that the film is smarter than it actually is, like almost insinuating that the screenwriter, uh, you know, is kind of playing this 4D chess where she's actually mocking wokeness. And then I think the take, I don't know if it was from Az or if it was from anyone else, but I know there's been a couple others that have said it's just, it's so blatant and it's so ridiculous that it becomes comical. It becomes satirical in that way, in that unintentional way. But again, I do still think that that's still giving it a little bit more credit than it actually is, right? Especially when we keep in mind that many of us in this space have been calling this crap out in all movies. And there have been films that have had a crap ton of this stuff in there. And I don't remember people, you know, giving it as much of a pass in those instances. So I don't know if it's because I think some people are honestly, you know, more so on the side of, well, this film is, is directed towards women, geared towards women. And so therefore I have to think, think and look at it in a different way. But then I have to go back to Ghostbusters 2016 because I'm sorry, you can't say that movie was geared towards men. You could argue that the Ghostbusters franchise is more male dominated. Sure. But that as an individual film was clearly directed. And again, that, that film ended up losing money. So I think the argument could be that because it's a male dominated space for Ghostbusters and then they went after women, women didn't show up because they don't care about Ghostbusters in general. And I think that that's a fair argument. It's a fair assessment. However, I don't think that because of the demographic that a movie's going towards, that that somehow in any way excuses or downplays the crap that's going on in the film, right? I think that there's just, and, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I know some people are kind of tired of us even talking about it or having the debate about it or anything to that extent. But I, I think that, and I forget who said it, but it is something where it's so important. And um, it was actually, there's a, it's a musician, there's a musician, he's a rapper. He's a white rapper. I'm sure you all know. Is it Tom McDonald? Might be his name. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But he had one of the best takes on this uh, because he, I think he, it was him, I think it was him who had responded where he said, a lot of people have been attacking me for my take on this, saying like, don't even, you know, why are you even caring about it? And it's like, well, because this is something that's being directed towards kids. This is something that's being directed towards the youth of our country. And if this is what's being directed to them, and if this is going to be having any type of of uh, of impact on them, it's worth talking about. It's worth calling out. And I understand the perspective of, well, the more you talk about it, the more you give it oxygen, the more space it gets. So theoretically, you're driving more people to go. But I think ultimately, people who are going to see it are going to see it. You know, I just, the the amount of people that you could honestly say went to go see the movie because I spoke about it. I can't imagine that it's that high of a number. And I would imagine that the number of people that may have had interest in the film, but might trust my voice for anyone that happens to, again, I don't assume anyone trusts my voice, but I know there are some that mention that in their comments. I imagine that that number is probably higher of people who were thinking about seeing it and then decided not to. And I think that that is, is a lot more important to call out what is objectively in the film and then ultimately, you have the decision to make for yourself. But I do still think it's important to get the word out on what is going on 
and the fact that it is going out towards these kids. I teach high school students, and so I already know, and I'm already trying to prep myself for it, that when I ask, because one of the things that I ask is like a, a you know icebreaker at the beginning of the year, is what's your favorite movie? I already know there's going to be a lot that are probably going to respond with answers like Barbie or going to respond with, you know, the, the Ken memes and all that stuff. And again, the meme culture, I think, is pretty fun around it. But also, how many of them are going to have been impacted because they bought into the lies and the deception that the film put out there? I think it's important to talk about. Films have have impacts. Let's see. Justin C. tagged to say, I'm at my local AMC waiting to see Sound of Freedom. Manager tells us that there's a problem with the projector and we all have to wait five minutes to reset the projector. It's been 20 minutes odd. Yeah, I mean, I know that we've been hearing you know stories about that across the country. Here's the thing, Justin C. Is there a world, is there a national worldwide conspiracy to try to stop people from seeing that movie? No, let's just be frank. There isn't, at least when it comes to these specific instances. So ultimately, Justin C., I think that's going to be the most, the two most common responses that I think are most, most accurate. One, it's sheer coincidence. These things do happen. Keep in mind that theaters in many cases are not updated as regularly as they should be and are not maintenance as well as they should be. So I, I've talked about this before, right? Every time I go to my local AMC, the bulbs in every screen for every movie are on the brink of death. It was also true for the time I saw Sound of Freedom. Now, if someone had not been seeing movies, they could have gone to the movie and then said, oh, my bulb is flickering. That must mean that, that they, they, they put this in the worst theater possible. You can see how people could think that, right? So I think, one, it's likely that, right? It's just, again, an issue that sometimes happens. These things do happen. And now they happen a lot more commonly than what they did prior to the pandemic. Two, it could be, could be an individual theater, an individual member or manager who is actively trying to do something, right? I do think that's still possible. I think that the number of times that this has happened to different theaters across the country does start to lend to the question of, okay, clearly there must be something going on. But again, it's only going to be likely one of those two things. It's just going to be something that it happens to have happened. Again, these things are very common in theaters in general, especially older aging theaters. And then two, it could be something that was, you know, a choice made by a worker, but it would be like an individual worker. So anyway, you all know I don't like to drive down the conspiracy theory territory because normally there are better explanations that you, that you don't need as much stuff to, to fall into. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi, what's going on? Welcome back. Haley Chow, the show must go on. Also get well. Thank you. Appreciate that a lot. All right, Keck44 in the chat. Father says, garbage voice, excommunicado. You can't excommunicado me. That's not how things work here. Thank you all for being here, though. Smash that like button, please. 50 people watching on YouTube. For those hanging out over on Odyssey and Rumble as well. Her Sci-Fi, who's a member, says, most of the women at my work love the Barbie movie. Normie's gonna norm. Yep. And again, I think if you say, I liked certain parts of the film, sure. If you enjoyed the movie, Sure. But if I start asking them questions about specific parts of the movie, that, that's when I start to say, okay, what, what's actually going on here? Laura then says, I better get all my witty comments in now. Sorry, I can't perform under pressure. Ah, yes. Cthulhu, gra uh, gravely voice, gravely voice, it's a gift from God, so you can do your best Batman impersonation. I'm Batman. I think it actually makes it worse. Uh, <laughs> Laura then says, I'm the cheer-tater. The cheer-tater. Great Wood uh, tag to say, I'm not shocked by that statement. Parents got to pay tickets for themselves and the kids while women buy their own tickets. Yep. 
Orange Hat then says, Odin, you are just jealous that you didn't make it on Shark Week. How dare you, Orange Hat? How dare you? Father then decided to say, I never saw Barbie. So if they put a bunch of references to things about Barbie, were there any instances of heads getting popped off? <laughs> no. There was interestingly, there wasn't, right? So the whole concept that kind of gets brought up is Weird Barbie, who is is played by um uh McKinnon and uh from, from SNL fame. And she is Weird Barbie, and so she's constantly in the splits. And it's like, well, everyone did that with their dolls, but Funny enough, I think more people probably <laughs> beheaded their Barbies than anything else, and there really wasn't a lot of references to that. Jeremy Zakowski had to say, I was called misogynist after giving my thoughts about Barbie. Of course you were. That's the only argument that can really be given is either you're misogynist or, well, it wasn't made for you. It's like, come on. Those are weak arguments. That's weak sauce. Miss Minazaka fan says, chai tea is the only tea I drink. It's like Christmas in a cup. Yeah, I mean, I've just never been that much of a tea person. It's just not my thing. Rage Grifter says, lemon, honey, hot water, half a shot of whiskey. I don't drink. I don't do the alcohols. Uh, Laura then says, no matter what you think about the Barbie movie, uh, Elish's theme song is beautiful. I don't really remember uh, the, the the song. You know, are you talking about the end song? Because <laughs> uh, the Barbie, that was like the Barbie Girl remake. And... I just heard the beginning of it. I was walking out the theater and I was like, oh, screw this crap. I don't want to listen to that anymore. J.S. Pena, you know, not relevant at all, but I really miss the days where the only MCU films considered bad were Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Thor, The Dark World, and Age of Ultron. Yeah, seriously, J.S. Pena, weren't those better days when the bad MCU films were few and far between and pretty much everyone agreed on the films that, that were deemed to be really bad? And there really wasn't a whole lot of disagreement. Laura then says, I got the feeling that Gerwig was making fun of the woke little tween and her fascist ridiculousness. I don't, though. Again, I, I, I say the roadmap to understanding Greta Gerwig is you've got to go back to her previous movies. People may have forgotten that the last film that she and Noah Baumbach did that got a lot of attention was Marriage Story. They did that movie. If you haven't seen it, I don't recommend watching it. But hey, if you want a little bit more of your understanding of her personality and and her way of writing you got that film there's also lady bird there is also all of the films that she acted in there's a ton of things to look to to better understand her uh steven had to say your take on how lefty want to switch barbenheimer with barbie what okay i'm just gonna skip that because that did not make any sense whatsoever and steven calm calm down in the comments man there's no, there's no need to spam a bunch of comments. Cthulhu, in no way is Greta intelligent enough to write satire. Even Verhoeven screwed up Robocop and, Star Tro and Starship Troopers. Very clear satire. Yep. Exactly right. And it's not even just intelligence, it's, it's capability. Again, look to her filmography and look to what she's done in the past. I think that's a great metric. Keely Chow, Tom McDonald. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Good to know. Good to know. Sorry, poor, poor little River has not been feeling too well. So I have to keep an eye on it because she's been licking her paws and stuff like that. So don't worry, she, she's fine. She just might have an infection. Uh, but anyway, that's why I was, I was looking back. But yeah, here, here's, here's little River right there. River, don't do that. <laughs> she's like, why, why are you talking at me? Leave, leave me alone. I'm, I'm trying to do my own thing. All the while, of course, Willow is just passed out over here, you know, just doing her own thing as well. But anyway, yeah. Poor, 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 poor little Riv. 
All right, we'll do one more comment and then we'll start to actually dive into some of these numbers. As I know a lot of y'all are are looking forward to that. So Glenzer, what's going on? Uh, Steven says, your thoughts on how Secret Invasion ended? Um, so overall for me, I, I thought it was stupid. And it's funny that it's it's taken until now for essentially the entire internet to be in agreement on an MCU show, right? The amount of defense that was given to these previous shows that were also garbage. Does anyone remember? She, like, I, I hear a lot of people, even our own space, saying that this is the worst thing they've ever done. But I'm sorry. She-Hulk, in my opinion, was a lot worse. Like, don't get me wrong. They're both awful. They're, they're both terrible. But this show just bored me. Right? It bored me. It was stupid. She-Hulk wanted me to wanted, like, She-Hulk made me want to rip my eyeballs and my ears off. So... I think that the show you could argue is worse from a certain perspective because it's almost worse to be boring and dull. But at the same time, at the very least, I could fall asleep to that show. Whereas with She-Hulk, it was like, I just, <laughs> I want to throw something at the TV because of how bad this is. Oh, goodness. All right, let's go ahead and then dive into these numbers, though. Again, I know some of y'all have been waiting for that. So first off, let's talk a little bit about the box office numbers as they are from this past uh, past couple days. So first off, we got the Monday numbers in now at this point. So the July 31st numbers. And sure enough, look at Barbie. Once again, another strong hold. Remember, its first Sunday to Monday drop was only 40%. Now it's only a 49% drop from its second Sunday to second Monday. So again, very strong hold. But also, very strong hold. It's always been interesting to see how the percentage drops have been very close between these two movies. And that is Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer only dropping 54% last week, having dropped a little over 40%. Um, again, it's always been doing a little bit worse, but not really bad by any means. Very impressive nonetheless, right? So, Barbie made $15 million on Monday. $6 million made by Oppenheimer. Haunted Mansion, and this, I think, is something that all of us can agree on within the box office space. Haunted Mansion's not doing much of anything. I mean, if you look at these per theater ratios, right, on this Monday, 3,000 per theater for Barbie, that is very good for a second Monday. 1,800 for Oppenheimer for a three-hour drama, again, also very good. And then you drop all the way down to $635 per screen. And then you compare that to... The $2 million that was made by Sound of Freedom, which, remember, has been out for 28 days. Haunted Mansion's only been out for four. So the brand new Disney flick is barely beating out Sound of Freedom, which has been out for a significantly longer period of time. So that's why Haunted Mansion, remember, Barbie dropped 40% from its first Sunday to Monday. Haunted Mansion is now in its first weekend, and so it's dropped 61%. From its first Sunday to Monday. So not a good start. This movie costs around $150 million from Disney. So Haunted Mansion is right now. In such a position where its chances of breaking even. Are almost non-existent. As you all know I always want to wait for those week two numbers to come in. To get us a better understanding. For us to get a better grasp on the legs of the movie. But it's just it's it's not looking good right now. It is not looking good at all for Disney. And again couldn't happen to a nicer company. Sound of Freedom also holding up very strong there. Here are some numbers that are not looking great for Mission Impossible. Someone asked about this earlier. This one dropped another 57% from its 
third or this should yeah this would be its third Sunday to Monday. So again, the weird release schedule for this movie I think is ultimately going to have been the bigger Achilles heel. Barbenheimer of course is taking up a lot of the auction in the room, but I do think that the weird release schedule did not help the Mission Impossible franchise here. Ian and Jones dropped another 50% as well. This film only making $268 per screen. So this film is also essentially donezo at this point. Same with also Elemental, though it is doing better internationally. And then, again, goes on from there. Now, of course, the big question and the first topic of tonight is, who is going to win at the box office weekend? Well, we've got some early numbers. So this is coming from Box Office Pro. Remember, Box Office Pro is hit or miss. When it came to Barbie, they were a hit. They were the only ones to get it right that far in advance. Uh, the massive opening weekend of Barbie, they predicted it. But... Oftentimes, they are off. Usually not by that much, but they are off. The, the best example of them being off was for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Right? They very much under-projected what that film did. But then, again, no one got the Mario Brothers box office right for several weeks, in fact, before finally people started to catch on to what the film was doing. But going into this weekend, we've got two major releases. All right? We've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This film is actually coming out tomorrow. So it is going to get a little bit of a of a leg up, right? In that regard, it is going to get a little bit of of help there because that means it'll have more days in theaters. But as we all know, early releases do not always guarantee more success. Now the opening weekend range for the film is 27 to 36. That means its first Friday to Sunday is going to be around 27 to 36 million dollars. It's 5 day, so from its Tuesday premiere all the way through Sunday, is expected to be around the 39 to 55 million. So again, not doing a whole lot on those individual days. Now, its total domestic range is only supposed to be around 100 to 145 million dollars. Now, someone asked about, do I think the film is going to break even? Well, if we look at Teenage Mutant Turtles, this is actually the only film at this point between this and the Meg, uh, the Meg Two at the very least, that we actually have a estimated box office for, as far as budget. So this is coming from. A article that I cannot fully track, uh, full, fully trust. Right now, it's only coming from a source called the Filmic. I don't know a lot about that source, as you all know. Don't ever just take Wikipedia's word for it. Always look at where the sources are. I don't know what the Filmic is, so take that budget with a grain of salt. We will be getting a budget for this movie likely over the next couple of days. But if the film actually did cost around seventy to eighty million, I could believe that. Right, between 80 and 100 million sounds about right for the kind of animated film that the movie is. Right, this is coming from Nickelodeon movies. This seems about right for what that film would do. Now, taking into account, again, typical break even points, as you all know, I use a 2.5 times multiplier. So if the movie cost 80 million dollars, that would mean its break even would be around 200 million dollars. So if the movie does indeed get to 100 to 145, so on average, maybe 120. It would need to make only about $80 million internationally to break even. So I think that it's actually possible, at least at this early time, it's possible for this film to be able to make its money back. Now, will it be a major hit? Will it make a lot of money? It still remains to be seen. This is not a great opening weekend, though. This is a movie that's going to be geared towards younger audiences. And these numbers tell me that it's not going to be driving a lot of traffic out to go see it. So not a great start for this movie. Same thing also has to be said for The Meg 2. We don't have a budget yet for this film, but it's a Warner Brothers movie. And Warner Brothers is notorious for overspending on projects, just like Disney is. Now, 
They have made a couple of good decisions. For instance, Barbie, clear example of that. But when it comes to these movies, we do have to keep these in mind. Now, let me see if I can try to find the box office for the Meg 2. So, yeah, here you go. So, the first Meg movie cost between 130 and $178 million. So those came from Deadline and Hollywood Reporter. So again, mainstream sources there. So we could say, what, roughly $150 to $175 million for, for the first Meg movie? So what does that mean? That means that, oh boy, the chances of the film costing that much or more is very likely. And what is the early box office saying? That movie will only make $22 to $27 million in its opening weekend, and only 59 to 81 million when everything is said and done. Now, remember that the box office for the first Meg movie made $530 million worldwide. If I go ahead and just open up this link, so again, box office mojo, that means it made $145 million in its total domestic, a $45 million opening, and that's not adjusting for inflation. Now, they say the budget was at 130, but what this tells us is that they expect the Meg 2 to come in quite a bit under where the first Meg came in. Now, could these numbers change? They could, but these have been trending down. As you can see, those red numbers there, that means that from their last projections on the Meg, which they would have made back in early July, would have been 17% higher than what it is now. So why, where are we going to then see this as far as the, the four films that are going to be in discussion, right, as far as the battle going on right now? So as you saw, 27 to 36 million for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 22 to 27 million for the Meg 2. So you're looking at what an average to be about maybe 30, 30 plus million for Teenage and maybe about 23 million for Meg. Well, okay. What was the drop off for this past weekend for films like Barbie, right? Let's go ahead and see if we can find the actual full weekend chart um, to, to compare this to. So in its second week of release, Barbie only dropped 43%. Oppenheimer also only dropped 43%. Oppenheimer actually ended up doing a little bit better than the initial projections had had. And so what can we then expect for this for the third weekend? Well, we're looking at these numbers. We could expect it to drop probably around the same amount of money, probably maybe closer to that 50% mark. And, and how can we kind of know that? Well, if we look at the daily charts... You know, what is it doing right now in its daily performance? Only dropping around 50%. So again, if these drops continue and it continues to see about 50% less of what it saw last week, well then guess what? It makes a lot of sense for the next weekend to be about 50% less as well. So 50% or stronger would be my guess at this time. So if that indeed happens, going back to that weekend chart, right? 50% less than $93 million would bring that to be a little over $45 million. For Barbie, okay, forty-five million is greater than the amount of money Teenage and uh, and Meg Two are projected to make. So Barbie comes in as the clear number one in that category. The question mark is going to be Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer still has the IMAX screens. IMAX is still going to bring in a lot of dollars for Oppenheimer, right? But if we see a similar drop off, that brings it to be about maybe twenty-three, maybe twenty-five million dollars. So what does that mean? That means if we look at these numbers here, there's a chance for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to come in the number two spot, but there's a greater chance for it to have a battle between battle with the Meg 2. So I think that when it comes to this weekend, Barbie's going to come in at number one. Right? Barbie's going to come in in the number one spot, 
And then it's going to be a battle for second, third, and fourth. And it's going to be between Oppenheimer, the Meg 2, and Turtles. Between them, Turtles, I think, will do better than the Meg 2, based on the numbers we're seeing right now. Obviously, all this can change in the coming days. But Barbenheimer is still in effect. We're seeing that in the drop-offs between them. We're seeing that in how very similar they're doing as far as their percentage drop-offs are concerned. And so it's going to be very interesting to see domestically, especially where these films uh, add up. But I think we can all say that when it comes to the battle of who's going to come in first place with these two new movies set to come out, it looks like it'll be yet another first place finish for the Barbie film. All right, let's go ahead and dive back into the chat and then we'll talk about some other battles going on right now. Abomination over on Odyssey. Sorry. Yeah, Odyssey says, OK, kids, what's your favorite movie? Youngest student. Death Proof. Odin. Why can't you just say Barbie? <laughs> I know, right? No, when it comes to movies like that, like, because there are some that will mention, you know, there's the occasional student that will mention like a Pulp Fiction. And I'll be like, you've seen Pulp Fiction? I'd be like, nice. It's like, it's a great film. I think you're too young for it, but yeah, it's a great film. <laughs> I mean, I, I use that as an example. I don't think a student's ever said their favorite movie was Pulp Fiction, but it's, it's movies like where you're like, wait a minute. You shouldn't have seen that film at this point. <laughs> it's like you're just getting to the age where you can go see rated R movies. But again, obviously, every family is a little bit different. I'm sure a lot of you have stories where you watched your first R-rated movie with your family when you were like 14, 15. Or, hey, maybe without your family because <laughs> you snuck into a movie. Um, but uh, it's, always, it's always fun to have those conversations. It's always interesting to get because movies tell a lot about people, right? What their favorite movie is actually tells me quite a bit about them. Let's see. Over on Rumble, King Gain Rumsky says, uh, any chance for Indy 5 to resurge? Uh, no. None. Uh, and then he says, I think you missed Father's joke. He said, excommunicato. I'm actually missing the joke there. As in, communicate bad voice. Oh, I don't think he was making that joke. If he was, I don't think it was... Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was... I don't think it was forwarded effectively. Let's see. Hamlin and Berger over on YouTube says, while I respect your opinion, it's not possible that Barbie was meant on some level to be a satire, but that it was undone through poor execution, shoehorning in messaging in the third act. No. And again, what's my evidence of that? Well, one, the film itself, that's the primary evidence. And then as secondary evidence, you look to the filmography, the uh, psychology of the director and writers of the movie and that goes to Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, and their last film was Marriage Story. So, again, I think that knowing the actual creators of the story, in this case it would be them, helps you to better understand why giving them any extra credit on this is, I think, very... Uh, let's just say I think it's a bad move. I think it's a bad, bad move. Uh, Laura then says, I always cut off my Barbie's hair. That, that was represented in the film. Matt R. Hale, hope you feel better. Thank you. Appreciate that. Voice is doing okay at the moment. But only okay. Master of Gaming, what is going on? General Wingster. <laughs> JS Payne did I say, not going to lie. I uh, thought uh, Age of Ultron is a bit of a guilty pleasure. Though, though Age of Ultron is a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, I mean, oh, no. It's, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. It's got problems. It's got lots of problems, man. Um, I will say this much, though. And I, I think I've mentioned this several times. Thor The Dark World has a special place in my heart, but I always predicate that with, it's because I have a bias towards the character of Thor. So 
I, and that's again, I recognize the film is bad. I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm just saying I enjoy it. So notice the difference there. It is a bad movie and I will not fight anybody to say that it's a good movie because it's not, but I enjoy it. That to me, I think is the nuance that's missing from a lot of people is that there's so many people coming out to say, I like this movie. I like that movie. And then they automatically equate that with that makes it a good movie. It's like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Those are two very different things, right? That objective and subjective quality. All right, let's see. Jenna Weaster says, Greta was pretending to be an idiot the whole time. Ah, of course. This was her moment to reveal just how brilliant she really was. Uh, I am JMS. Hopefully I answered that question about the turtles. I like turtles. By the way, that's the kind of marketing they've actually gone to. They found the kid from the video that did the I like turtles. They found him grown up and used him to promo the movie. Now, I could see how some could look at that and say, oh, that's a fun throwback and that's clever. But at the same time, I'm like, that would only appeal to an older audience because that, com- that that happened a quite a long time ago. So it's like, are you trying to get an older demographic to show up for it? Is that your appeal to the parents? I just, I don't know. I found it quite a, I, qu- I found it quite a weird choice for their marketing campaign. Orange Hat says, Mutant Mayhem copied the 1990 poster to the live-action TMNT film. That's that's blasphemy right there. The live-action 1990 film. In fact, I argue all night, all of the live-action films were phenomenal. I know quality, they go down objectively. I still enjoy them. The first is by far the best. Let's see. Scott McKenzie, what is going on, man? Thank you for being a member for 13 months at the Citizen of Asgardian level, man. Appreciate it. Master Gaming, I heard Gran Turismo movie is good, and Gran Turismo got delayed to August 25th. Yeah, I didn't hear about the delay. I'm not surprised based on things that are going on, but I did hear that as well. In fact, I I think I was, was it on Friday Night Tights that that was mentioned? Because if so, I was there when it was. And that is also what I've heard. Uh, Steven, your thoughts on Ryder for Lando not knowing he has fired? I, I, I don't really care to talk about that, to be honest. Jez Pena, although unlikely, my only wish is that Meg 2 devours Barbie at the box office. Unlikely, but I want it to happen. I mean, never say never, right? No one expected Barbenheimer to be nearly as big as it was. So for all we know, there could be a massive marketing campaign or not marketing campaign, a massive online campaign that drives people out. I just I'm not seeing it right now. I know there are people in my chat who like the first Meg and want to go see Meg 2. I also recognize that there seem to be a lot more people who did not care to see the first one who just don't care at all about the concept of giant shark movies or, and this is something else that I think maybe we don't think about nearly as enough. There are people that actually, cause I didn't know this either. I didn't know that these were based on books and apparently these are terrible adaptations of the books. And so there are some people who are like, Nope, I'm not going to give this any money at all because I tried it with the first one and it ain't the books. So, again, most people I think going to see it probably don't even know it's a book. I know that was me when I first saw it. And I found the first movie was fine. I, I, I enjoyed the first movie. Because all I wanted going into the movie was a stupid movie with Jason Statham playing Jason Statham with a giant megalodon. Oh, it's a megalodon. That's, that's all I wanted. And I, and I got that, right? It's not still not a good movie, but hey, it was fun. This movie, though, as soon as the trailer, or as soon as they announced it, I said, no, please don't. The, the first movie was dumb, and it was fine. It was fun. But but don't try now to make it into a franchise, right? You're, you're in way over your head now in this instance, you know? Like, n- now it's like they're trying to capture the fire, and it's like, no, you're not going to. It's not going to work. 
All right, see, Orange Hat, who's a member, says, Odin, I saw my first R-rated movie when I was four. <laughs> Dang, dude. Silver Bullet, the werewolf movie, and the original Fright Night. My dad was bowling, and we had a very lazy babysitter. Dang, dude, four years old? That is crazy. That That is nuts. Abomination, Tad to say, I saw Terminator when I was eight. Dang, dude. Like, like Terminator 2 would make sense. The first Terminator is, is dark, man. Kigan Rumshki over on Rumble says, with all the strikes going on, will there be any movies in theaters in the near future? Oh, yeah. I mean, keep in mind that many of the films that are on schedule to get released, many of them were already finished and were in post-production. The ones that get delayed, to me, that's actually a pretty big sign because it either, one, indicates that the movie wasn't finished, that there are rewrites that they weren't able to shoot, that there are shots that they were not able to complete, and so they're working, like, last minute. That tells you a little bit about the chaos that might be behind the set on that particular movie. Because it's either going to be that, or it's going to be that they were really hoping and relying on the press junkets. So I personally don't know how many tickets are actually influenced by press junkets. I don't know how many people are just sitting there waiting for the interviews to come out. I'm sure there are people that exist. I'm sure that they exist. But how much, I can't say. It'd be interesting to know... If someone actually had data to support, you know, how effective or ineffective those things actually are. But those could be the only things I could think about why you would ever delay your movie is, you know, one, you have rewrites and because you can't have the writers, you you can't do them and and or you are trying to reshoot things and you can't because you don't have the actors or the secondary option, the press junkets. Uh, Laura then says, I thought I warned everyone about Marriage Story. Horrible. Exactly, Laura. Laura, I think you, you'd probably know more than most people because most people didn't watch it. In fact, I only got halfway through it because it was so terrible, you know? And uh, it is something that, to me, with all the conversation now going on about what the film actually means, I think it might help shed some light. Because it's the same, it's not even that it's it's Greta Gerwig, it's Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, the same duo that would write the Barbie film. Ambrose Chamberpot, what's going on? Kimberly G says, my parents let me watch the Blues Brothers, only R because of the F word. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I mean, there's some, well, also, Kimberly G, just remember this. This is not a rated R movie, but in today's terms, it probably should be. If you go back to Spaceballs by Mel Brooks, the amazing film Spaceballs by the amazing Mel Brooks, that film has an F-bomb in it too. And guess what? Back in the day, that got a PG rating. Obviously, the rating system was very different back then, but still, interesting. Uh, But that's a good point about the Blues Brothers because, yeah, I don't think, I don't remember how many times the F-word said in the Blues Brothers. Also, this is a very weird take. I really like Blues Brothers 2000. I love Blues Brothers. I think that's the better movie by far. No argument here. But the music in Blues Brothers 2000 makes that film actually enjoyable. It's not a better movie, but the music is still really good. That's my take on that. Uh, let's see. Laura. Time to say, strangely, my favorite line from any Thor movie is when Odin asks, are you the god of hammers? <laughs> Master of Gaming, which Jason Statham action movie will do better at the box office? The Meg 2 or The Expendables 4? Well, based on the early projections, I mean, if Meg 2 only gets 59 to 81 million domestic, I can't imagine it'll be it'll do too, too much more international. 
I mean, the first film made $500 million worldwide. And yeah, so the first movie made $145 million domestic, $384 international. So if we're seeing that number get cut more than half, like it's, it's only projected to make a third. No, wait, sorry, that I'm thinking of opening weekend. So the total domestic is about half. So if that plays out, if it's if it's going to be half of the first movie, then you're looking at worldwide the film only getting to two hundred and you know two hundred and ten, two hundred twenty million dollars worldwide. So a little over a hundred million internationally. Who knows? It's again, it's, it's still too early to tell. That's why whenever people ask, like, what do you think? What do you think the box office, the global box office, will be for a given film days in advance? I tend not to, and it's because I'm a I'm a data driven person. I don't like making projections without actual data, and in my opinion, pre sales is not a good metric. And I go back all the way to the very beginning of my channel. Actually, what was one of the biggest films? That got me started talking about the box office and actually diving into this information, diving into this data. It was Solo, a Star Wars story. Why? The entire word of mouth on that movie was the pre-sales are amazing. And I remember I was still fresh off working from, you know, working at a theater. And I remember, hey, pre-sales make a difference, but the walk-up traffic is still the make or break for any movie. People who show up on the day to buy their tickets. There are a lot of people that will pre-buy now, and and now more than ever, for sure, there are more reserved seats at more theaters than than even back back then, right when my channel first started, and especially more so than when I was working at AMC. And so, but I still recognize that it's almost similar to I don't know why this is the demographic I think about, but if you've ever looked at at physical media data, uh, physical media data, if you were to ask. What is the most common form of physical media bought? Most people would probably think, oh, well, it's got to be maybe Blu-rays, right? For a long time, and I think it is still to this day, but I think Blu-ray might finally have after how many years has Blu-ray been around? Has to have been, what, more than 20 years now, right? DVD took up the largest share by a crap ton. And most people, maybe even you watching, you're like, yeah, I, I still buy DVDs. I think DVDs are fine. Whereas, again, if you finally see the light, you realize, oh, man, the difference in quality between DVD and Blu-ray is night and day. Not nearly as much of a difference in Blu-ray and 4K. There is a difference, but not enough, not nearly as much as the difference uh, between DVD and Blu-ray. But I digress. The, 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 the most important thing is that the perception is, well, this is the most common form of media now, and so this must be the most accessible. This must be the most uh, used, the most consumed. When in reality, no, people are still doing things the old way. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you went back in time and you looked at data from when VHS DVD, VHS was probably the the most common form of media for a long time until it got until it got discontinued. And I think DVDs are still going to take up the vast majority or at the very least a large portion of physical media market versus any of the other formats. Now, using that same metric, though, most people are still old school when it comes to movies. Most of them, if they're not going to wait for it to, to come out at home, of course. Most people are going to wait and go to see the movie and buy their ticket on the day of the actual film itself. And so because of that, pre-sales are not about... So going back to the main point, that's why I don't like doing projections before the numbers are actually coming in. Once the numbers come in, it's like, okay, I got an opening night. 
I can now compare that historically to other opening nights, and that can give me a metric. All right, let me see the Friday numbers. Okay, we now see the percentage drop from Friday, uh, from Thursday to Friday. We can now look historically at other films. That gives us a metric, right? That that's the data that you can actually do something with. So kudos to the people that can make projections and can get very close. That that's just never. I I am much more. I'm a much more black and white person. And I'm sure you've already learned that about me if you've watched me for any length of time. I like actual data. I like actual information in front of me that I can use and that I can actually, you know, sink my teeth into. Uh, let us see. Over on Rumble, uh, King Kane Rumshki. But anyway, uh, going back to the main question, I think Expendables 4 will probably make more Master of Gaming. But again, I, I for all I know, it could make less. Just based on how little Meg 2 is expected to make, Expendables 4 might be able to do more. Uh, Bianca Zombie hanging out over on Rumble. What's up? King Kane Rumsky. Are you saying the movie ratings have to be adjusted for inflation? <laughs> no, no, no. IMJMS says, TMNT movies a fresh 96%. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's the critics, man. Crit, 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 critics don't mean anything, dude. And remember also, and this is something that always drives me nuts. Do you know what 96%... Fresh around tomatoes means it means that even if a critic gave the film, if they give scores, because not all critics do, if the if they gave the film a C or a C minus, they can still give it a fresh rating. Now you might think a C and you say, oh well, that's still passing if you're you know in school, but I think most of us would say a C doesn't sound that great, right? But they can still hit that fresh. In fact, go ahead and look to the history. Of these critics, I remember I broke this down years ago when Rotten Tomatoes started to change their entire system, and I found one of the biggest like crap things about that site. That's why I don't use Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's a garbage tier site. I found critics who who use scores. They had two out of fours for movies, and they would have one movie with a two out of four score. They would give a fresh rating to, and then there would be another film two out of four score that they would give a rotten rating to because it is up to them. The critic determines which button to press when they're, when they're putting the review up, they might post their, their rating, but they're the ones that will choose. Hey, I think the film is rotten. I think the film is fresh so they can give the film a garbage score and they can even give the film a same score, the same score that they would give to other films that they gave a rotten rating to and still choose fresh. So 96% just means 96% of the critics that put a score up clicked on the fresh rating. That's why if you actually go and dive into those critic scores, if you go to what's the average critic score? Oh, wait, why is that lower? 96%, but wait, the average rating is 8.1? That's very different. Now, I wish that they would do that. That's why I, I know it's not a perfect site, but that's why I prefer Metacritic. Because what Metacritic does is it takes a pretty large portion of critic scores, and then what it'll do is if you give an A or a B, it'll convert that into a numerical value. And it has an entire portion of their website that tells you, hey, here's how we give numerical values to specific scores and specific score types. And it's a much more realistic take on what do the critics actually think. Because again, 96% sounds phenomenal, right? But when you know what that number means, and when you recognize that their scores are actually a lot lower, changes things. Steven, why do you think so many men are seeing Barbie? Either because the, the women with them are dragging them to go see it, or for all I know, they could be gay. 
those tend to be the main groups of, of people going to see it based on the metrics that we're seeing. Let's see. Then as this relation test says, I saw Alien when I was nine at night. I slept with the light on for a week. Oh, goodness. Dang. Uh, Laura says, I saw Jaws when I was seven. Scared for life. I've never been to the ocean past my ankles. Laura, I'm the same way. I don't remember when I saw it, but the music is what got me, especially. Like, the images were scary, but it's the music that haunted me. I'm the same way. I, I will not swim in open water. Uh, the number of times that I have swam in open water where I can't see the bottom, I can count on, I can count on my hand. In fact, the last time that I can remember, it was when I was dating my now wife. When I was dating the Lady Freya. And we went to the beach and it was to meet her brother for the first time. And they went into the ocean. And I was like, well, I can't just sit, sit on the beach and, you know, not follow them in. I'm trying to make a good impression with her brother. And so I am literally terrified. But then, and I'm actually following them. I'm like... I need to follow every single step. I, I'm going to, you know, and my mindset too is because when I was younger, in addition to me being terrified because of Jaws, I also got stung by a jellyfish as well when I was younger. So there are just, again, all these things that happened to me when I was younger that like made me terrified of open water, of, of um, you know, anything that I can't see the bottom. But that was the last time I can remember where I was actually in open water. So this was now, oh goodness, this would have been six years ago, maybe six, seven years ago. It's insane how much time has flown by, but uh, it was the last time I was in open water and it was literally just to not look like a complete um, pansy in front of, in front of her brother because <laughs> he was a firefighter and he was big and jacked and everything. I was scared, but he's a softy. He's a softy. I could probably take him on too. <laughs> much love brother. Much love. Cthulhu tried to say, when will we get a good movie release? Equalizer 3 can't be the only movie coming up this month. Um, again, not a whole lot of films on my radar. I'm sure there's some out there, but I couldn't say off the top of my head. Uh, Jeremy Zakowski says, I saw Alien when I was five, and my brother saw Child's Play when he was seven. He did not want to go near his doll after seeing that movie. Dude, yes. Uh, dolls creep me out too, but I'll tell you this. The, the, the thing that got me most with dolls was the Talking Tina episode of uh, Twilight Zone. My name's Talking Tina, and I don't like you very much. Oh, creepy. Uh, let's see. Uh, Steven, um, just don't, like, unless you're still friends with her. So I've been moving on from the breakup, but my ex can't. She still texts me here and there. I simply ignore. However, her birthday is coming. Should I at least... Again, Steven, you got to make the decision for yourself, man. If you think that you can be friends with her, and I know that some people say you should never be friends with your ex. I'm sorry. I think that's garbage. I think certain people should not be friends with their ex, and you need to know yourself. But in general, I think that people can still be friends. I know that I was friends with every... I was friends with the vast majority, I should say, uh, of people that I dated. Uh, even ones that had really bad breakups, I still ended up being friends with them. Um, and again, that was when I was younger. Obviously, when I was older, you know, I kind of just... Moved away from those friend groups, friend groups in general. Um, but I would say if you, again, know yourself, if you think that you can't just be friends with this person, then I, I would say just, just again, keep, keep moving on, man. But I'm not really the best person for that. Uh, I am JMS. Is it likely for Aquaman 2 to do better Aquaman 1? There's no chance. Keep in mind, Aquaman 1 was the only DCEU movie that made a billion dollars. You can't tell me after The Flash that that's going to happen again. 
Kili Chow, playing Shay's automobiles would have been PG-13 if it wasn't for one little scene where the F-word was said numerous times. Yeah, it's a good point, too. Master of Gaming, I think Barbie will beat Super Mario Brothers and will be the highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah, and that moves on to that next that next battle, and then we'll, we'll dive back into the chat for for the, the next portion of the stream. Um, Kinkane Rumsky, that will get to your question over on Rumble. He says, who is your favorite turtle? Um, I'm always been drawn to Raphael. And the reason why is because I've always associated, I've always connected with him on the anger issues. <laughs> so uh, I've always, and also I always appreciated his weapon of choice. I always liked the two daggers, right? It was just, and I, it really goes back to, for me, the turtles were the live action. I know for others that might be blasphemy because they, you know, maybe you really love the animated show. Um, but for me, it was a live action. My older brother was really big into the animated show. It was not quite at my time. Um, I got a lot more into, I was born in 88. So when I was old enough to watch films, I was watching the turtles live action stuff. So, but yeah, I, I go with Raphael because of the, uh, anger issues. I associate with him in many, many ways. But anyway, going back to Master of Gaming's comment, let's talk about the battle currently being waged between Barbie and currently the highest grossing film of the year, which is the Super Mario Brothers movie. So first going to my charting. Yes, we like doing charting here over at OMA Reviews. Barbie film made 700 and actually it made 780 plus with the adjusted numbers. But with those adjusted numbers, even with those adjusted numbers, the numbers are going to still be around the same. So as you all know, I've broken these projections down, and this dates back years now when I was looking into the data behind Sola. I went to all the Star Wars movies, and then I also looked up other big-budget films, and I said, okay, can we find any themes? Can we find any uh, you know, telling points for what a film will likely make? And what I noticed was when I looked at every single Star Wars movie, um, as far as, like again, modern-era Star Wars films, right? so going back to The Force Awakens, and then, you know, comparing that to those because we had actual data that could tell us the, the, the first two weeks and the total worldwide total of those two weeks. That's why I used those initially. What I found was that all of them universally fell somewhere between 50 and 70 percent for how much the first two weeks um, compared to the rest of the run. So they made either 50 percent of their entire box office in their, op in their first two weeks compared to the end, or they made 70%. And so using that data, that's how I was able to then project that Solo was going to be a massive financial failure. A massive financial failure. And uh, and then from there, I just started to look into more and more movies and found that that theme was pretty consistent. And again, there's always exceptions, but most films on average will fall into that. So using those metrics, right, this historical data... If the 780, again, it has now been adjusted 780, but the numbers won't change that much. If that number is going to be 70% of the entirety of its total, that means at minimum, and this would be unless the wheels just fall off completely, which right now we're not seeing that, the film would make $1.1 billion. So if we were seeing you know, 60%, 70% drops on the day-to-day, -day, this would be a much more likely number for it. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing... 40 to 50% drops. So very strong holds. So because of that, that 1.1 billion minimum is probably not going to actually be its lowest point. Instead, we have to go then to the average, right? That's 60%. That would be around 1.3 billion. 
But remember, this film is seeing drops in the 40s and 50s. So we're still looking at this movie making somewhere between $1.3 and $1.5 billion, at least at the current rate. If things change, obviously these numbers can be impacted. But based on what we're seeing, the film will make somewhere between $1.3 and $1.5 billion. Now, if we go back in time to the Super Mario Brothers film, where did that movie end up? We'll actually try and actually use the same chart. So again, this movie ended up performing so well that it actually ended up... Actually, no, this film, yeah, Super Mario Brothers film, fell right, uh, right below the projection that I had. Right, so I had the max projection being around $1.3 billion, and the film ended up making around, again, $1.3 billion. So it fell right around where it was expected to. But that $1.347, and then the fact that Barbie is looking to be somewhere between $1.32 and $1.54, hopefully shows you as to why, especially since the drops have been closer to 50 than to 60%, why I ultimately think that the movie will probably end up getting closer to that 1.4 to 1.5. Now, there have been some that have said, well, what if it does even better than that, right? Could we potentially see the film get to 1.8 or even to 2 billion? Based on the numbers that we're seeing right now, I just do not see that as a possibility. Or I should say, I do not see that as being probable. Is it possible? Sure. If we see continuously strong historic holds, to insane degrees, and we see it perform well consistently in other countries, that could ultimately make up for it. But remember, there's already been reports coming out that apparently Japan is not responding well to this movie. It's not released there yet, to my knowledge, but apparently the word of mouth already is not looking good for that Japanese release. So with that in mind, Mario made roughly $100 million in Japan. Not nearly as big as many people had speculated, but still, it's a solid $100 million. If this film is already getting some bad press and some bad uh, general sentiment in Japan, we could probably safely assume that it will not be getting to the same $100 million that was made by Super Mario. So what does that mean? Probably something less than $50 million, if I had to guess at this point in time. Obviously, that could be completely off. But with that in mind, will that still be enough less money for it to be able to to beat out, you know, to still be able to beat out Mario. And here, I think, is a huge factor, all right? So worldwide, so far, this includes the Monday numbers. The numbers.com is reporting that Barbie currently is sitting at $789 million. Now, what's most interesting about the film, though, is when you compare it to Super Mario. So this is comparing the domestic box office numbers, all right? And what's interesting about it is that even though, because of the earlier start for Mario... That's why this number is bigger there. And also, the fact that you did see a bigger second Saturday and second Sunday for Super Mario. 39 versus 34 in Barbie. 30 versus 29. Not nearly as big. Now we start to see a little bit of a shift. Look at the now comparison between the second Monday. These are domestic. So this is looking at the North American box office. $15 million for Barbie versus the $5.8 million that was made by Mario in its second Monday. Remember, the movie had seen very strong holds. That's why you do see those bigger Saturday and Sunday numbers compared to Barbie. But Barbie is doing better on every other day by, by quite a bit of money. Again, 43.7 first Sunday to 34. 26 first Monday to 20. So Mario's numbers were very strong. But right now, at the same point of release, 
Barbie is at 366 at the same time Barbie, sorry, at Mario was at 358. So I bring this up to say that if the if the film continues to pace ahead of where Super Mario Brothers is or was, Super Mario ended at $574 million domestic. So we can now safely assume that Barbie will probably end up north of 500, probably could end up if it paces at the same rate over $600 million domestic. Internationally, Mario made 574. Right now, you're looking at Barbie's overall international at 366. So, what I'm seeing from that is, hey, it's performing really strong there too. It made over 100 million dollars internationally last weekend and a 30% hold. So, if we see another 30-40% hold internationally, that means that we'll get probably another 75 to 100 million dollars internationally added on top. So that means that internationally the film will get over 450 million most likely. And hopefully now you can see okay, not only is there a good chance for Barbie to be able to beat out the domestic total for Super Mario Brothers, there's also a good chance for it to be able to beat out the um, the international as well. And so we're looking at these numbers and I think we can safely assume at this point that Barbie will likely come in as the number one film of this year, based on the numbers and based on the data that is in front of us. So, if you had that on your bingo card, you might as well scratch it off. Oh boy, what a world we live in, everybody. I am JMAS says, okay, but the audience score is 94%. That's pretty good. Yes, but out of how many actual reviews and are you looking at verified, quote-unquote, verified scores? Here's the thing, I am JMAS. You're not going to get a good idea on whether the film is good or not from any of these official sites. I would say you should be checking out individual reviewers that you trust. Do not trust these major giant sites. They have become complete and utter gutter trash when it comes to actual content and information about movies. So who are movie reviewers that you trust? For me, personally, I tend to agree a lot with people like Jeremy Johns. I trust him. And I know his biases because I've been watching him for years. And I believe he has his review out. I think he was uh, one of the early ones that got access to the film. And he went into it as a huge Ninja Turtles fan. And he pointed out saying, hey, look, kids might be able to enjoy it, maybe. But this is not a film for Ninja Turtles fans. Uh, he gave it a rating of, now it's a party if you're drunk, blah, blah, blah. Like, just one of his lower scores. So that's someone I trust, and he said it was not a good movie. It was not good, and especially not good if you're a Ninja Turtles fan. And I know Tom from Midnight's Edge and Midnight's Edge After Dark. We all know, or hopefully you know, he is a mega fan. I would never put myself on the same league as him as far as his fandom for, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the early reaction that I got from him was that it, it is not good. So, again, go with reviewers that you trust, but do not trust these massive giant sites. Uh, there is just no, at this point in time especially, there is no reason to give them any value whatsoever. I wish that there was a better way, and I wish there was a more convenient way. Um, and I would love, like, I, I've been thinking about trying to reach out to, like, Chris Gore, and... Um, Oh, who else? It was Chris Gore and um, I forgot who the other person was. But basically, 
to more independent-minded people because I think it would be really cool for Film Threat and uh, Chris Gore, especially like the main person behind it, to launch an alternative movie rating site where the only people who can give critic reviews are, are people who are properly vetted. People who are vetted to not be access media shills. And obviously that means that there's going to be some control over who gets to review and who doesn't. But that's the thing. If, if you actually listen to a lot of nerds who are, who are authentic, non-shill people, there's a variance of opinion on a lot of different things. So you're still going to get a variety there. And I think you'll just get a much more honest score. Um, but I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be really, really cool to try to get uh, groups of people together. So imagine if you could get uh, people like Robert Meyer Burnett, um, Gary from Nerdrotic, Critical Drinker, um, Chris Gore, of course, even going further out to like Christian Toto, right, who is a Rotten Tomatoes reviewer, um, and other people who are a lot more honest in their assessments. I think you would get a much more accurate critic score, but then also you would then be able to create a unrestricted, or at least, again, within reason, unrestricted uh, audience score as well. And I think that would be really cool to try to to have something like that, where the main scores you would see would be the verified critic score and then this uh, this raw audience score. And then you could play around with other features. Like you could play around with a like a super fan score. And the super fan score could be something I, I know this is something I played around with my with my own website. I was trying to create an alternative, but obviously I'm I'm only, you know, I'm just a, a random dude talking on the internet. But I know I tried working with a subjective and objective score. So I think it would be cool where you have maybe a super fan score where in order to submit the score, you actually have to fill out basically a ballot. And it would be maybe like 10 questions, but you're rating individual scores. And so that would, I think, cut down a lot on trolls for that score because you would actually have to go through and click the answers, right? Probably have to make like a CAPTCHA or something just to make sure that there's not robots doing it, right? But I think that could be really cool to see um, those differences between, uh, you know, these different mindsets. And I, I think that it would ultimately be the best for trying to find a way to get a much more trustworthy critic's take. Because we all know that people look at films differently, right? Not everyone looks at a film as a film critic does. As someone who understands film, who studied film, who is looking for specific qualities, who is looking for you know certain narrative structures, certain filmmaking, uh, you know filmmaking techniques, things like that, and so I think that it could actually create a lot of value. Lord knows that. Yeah, I'm wondering if the chat's broken too, man. Um, Rob D, I saw you in the live chat because I'm also only seeing it and there's apparently there's still 40 people watching. So I don't know if anything's going on or if just people are watching something else. Um, but I was also kind of uh, <laughs> like, wait a minute, what is going on here? But, um, but thank y'all for, for being here if there are any issues. But anyway, that, that was my idea. I think that would actually be really cool to see something like that happen. Let's see. Zane, what's going on, Zane? So I finally saying your name right. Zane Waters, thank you for being on the Chosen stream uh, last week, man. He says, I saw arachnophobia in an old house in the country when I was eight. Oh, no. Yeah, that movie terrified me, too. I've always been terrified of spiders. And so that movie definitely did not help with that. See, Orange Chat says, I think it is because of seeing the horror movies at such a young age that they don't scare me much anymore, but I absolutely won't watch paranormal movies at night, and I make sure there are blessed rosaries and crosses in the room if I do. Yes, seriously, I try to 
avoid that stuff at all possible. Uh, Laura says, love is greater than fear. Yes, absolutely. Zane says, Twilight Zone was so messed up. It's crazy that it's old as it is. To surf man is still is still stunning. Oh, man. Uh, Zane, I love Twilight Zone. It is brilliant. It is still brilliant to this very day. My favorite episodes feature Meredith Burgess. Uh, most people know him from Rocky. Come on, Rock. Um, most people know him as, from Rocky. But Meredith Burgess is just such a brilliant actor. But he did some of my favorite episodes, like Time Enough at Last. Oh, heartbreaking. Uh, just, oh, just get you right right in the feels. Um, and then he is also in probably my, it's a it's an episode that becomes more and more, I become more and more fond of every time. It's like a fine wine. It just ages even better with every time you rewatch it. And that is The Obsolete Man. If you've never seen The Obsolete Man and you want to see one of the best criticisms of totalitarianism that's probably ever been put on television in a condensed format, watch that episode. Oh, that's a good one. Abomination over on Rumble. Yes, that's actually a very good point. I always forget that he was indeed Penguin in the Batman series. So yeah, more people might actually know him from that too. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I think uh, for sure, Twilight Zone's so good. See, Father says, jellyfishes are not made of jelly. Cue the more you know music. <laughs> I feel like that's actually more of the, um, that reminds me of that old, uh, not South Park, uh, Saturday, Night Live, Saturday, Saturday Night Live skit, where it was coffee talk. Welcome to coffee talk with Linda Richmond. I'll give you a topic. I'm getting verklempt. Here's a topic. Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. Discuss. That's what that reminded me of. Jellyfish are not actually made of jelly, nor are they fish. Discuss. <laughs> Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan says, I remember when I was the little witch from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I remember when I was little, the witch from The Wizard of Oz scared me. I didn't go down in the basement unless the lights were on. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's terrifying. And then when you find out especially how her hair got burned and like, oh man, there's so many creepy things about that movie. But yes, she in the film, brilliant in the film. Dan Crane, thanks for being a member for 15 months at the Citizen of Asgardian level. Appreciate it. Zane says, it's crazier. You're younger than me. <laughs> Are you trying to say I look really old? Lord knows I do. Lord knows I, I look older than I actually am. Yeah, I'm only, uh, I'm turning 35 this year. Turning 35 this year. And so in, in just a little over a month, I will be old enough to run for president. I will never run for president, but it's like the last major milestone I have until things start to get really, really sad. Kili Chow says, <laughs> Ryan is the Raphael of the Geeks and Gamers crew. Oh, publicly especially, yes. Uh, Titan, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Kili Chow, I'm 39. I'll be 40 in October. Oh, the big 4-0. The big four O. Nice. Yeah, I have a uh, older brother and older sister. My older sister is in, in now in her forties. She's got six years on me, and then my older brother, I believe, he'll hit the big four O. No, wait a minute. I'll have to think about that. He's either about to hit the four O or no. He's he's like I think he's got one more year. I think. 
Uh, Rob D, what is going on? Ichthulu, the FTC is accepting comments till 929 about review buying by websites. You should let everyone know to make comments to hold these sites accountable. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much they can actually do. I don't really trust government uh, agencies or bodies. Um, but uh, it would be interesting to see that. Laura says, I am sure, I assure you, Odin, I'm here. I am still here, Guapo. Orange Chat says, Burgess Meredith shine in grumpier old men. I didn't know he was in that. Yes, 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 Laura. The Holy Roman Empire is neither holy nor Roman, nor an empire. Discuss. <laughs> oh, so good. Father, this says, oh, to watch time enough at last for the first time again. Oh, yes. It is just, oh, it is just, it just guts you. And Obsolete Man is so freaking good. He's in another one that I don't like as much. And I, I forget the name of it, but it's the one where he is granted super strength. And so he becomes like a circus act kind of. Um, but I like it. My, the one that my mom loves. And it's one that has become, it's funny because you know how it's notorious for ending. I think every episode ends in a dark, uh, sad way in some respect, right? Um, or at the very least in a, ooh, that's kind of creepy. And there's only one episode that actually ends in a happy way. Like, just all-around happy episode. And I want to say the creator behind it even said he wanted there to be, like, just, you know, one thing. And it's the Christmas episode. And it's specifically the one where there's a there's a drunk who is the, you know, the, the, the Santa at the mall. And he's he's drunk because he's just sad that, you know, he wants there to be a Santa Claus so that, you know, he can bring, you know, so that, you know, joy can be brought to the kids of the world. And then he uncovers a, you know, a magical sack that he's able to give presents and gifts out of. Oh, I love that episode. That one warms the heart. It warms the heart. And uh, it's a brilliant episode. But it also ends in a very happy way. And uh, it's nice. I, I like it a lot. I'm sure there's other episodes that you could probably argue. Like, I think it's the Bewitching Pool, where that one kind of ends in, in a nice way, a little bit. But then again, it's, you know, that, oh, these kids are running away from their parents. Ugh. So, it's got that going for it, where it's not really a, a positive ending, per se. Uh, Rob D., yes. I mean, I am. I, I am politically independent. I hate, I hate political parties. I'd be running as a traditional Catholic. I'm Jamie S. What do you think is the best Marvel movie? My favorite is Infinity War. Infinity War is is up there. I think Infinity War is great. For me, I've always my mind always goes back to, and I know that some people say like the first Iron Man, it's great. I agree, it's phenomenal, and it's one of the best by by far. I for some reason though always go back to Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier to me is one of the movies that I always. You know, nowadays, I, I'm really not ever wanting to rewatch those movies. I think the only MCU movie that I'd probably ever rewatch at this point would be with my wife, and it would be the first Guardians film, because the first Guardians film is just so fun. Um, and that's that's why that's, I think, one of the best, uh, too. I like the first Thor movie as well. Um, and uh, funny enough, a lot of people really like the first Captain America. I don't. I think the CGI is garbage. When they especially get to the giant tanks, ugh, it's, it makes me want to vomit. Um, but ultimately, I probably would have to go with, probably would have to go with um, Winter Soldier. 
Uh, father says, coffee talk was the civil war. <laughs> civil war was neither civil nor a war. Discuss. <laughs> Ikthulu says, the episode with the dying woman and death was beautiful. Oh, wait a minute. I feel like I've seen that one before, but I can't remember. Rob D, what would scare me is if we adopt the planet Naboo's politics and elect a 14-year-old girl as president. Yeah, you know, you want to know why especially? Because she's probably someone who was a fan of Barbie, and that should terrify everybody. Uh, Laura says, watching Lady Bird right now, actually, so I guess I'll see how bad Greta G is. I mean, that is, I think, that is, I think, the most accessible movie that she's ever made. I think some would try to argue it's Barbie now, but I'm sorry. Like, if you if you have a brain and can think for just two seconds, you realize, wait a minute, <laughs> there's a lot of issues going on here. Um, Lady Bird, I think, would be that next one, but to me, it just it really gives you that one. I think is one of the best examples of what's going on in her mind. Uh, Father says, Mister Dingle the Strong. Yes, that's the episode. That's the episode. Um, and then Father says, I'll have to start to wrap things up because we're close to the end of time, and my my voice is just. Ugh. Let's see. He also played a demon in another episode where he was a newspaper business. Also, Art Carney played the drunk Santa. Great episode. Uh, everywhere, every voice was uh, Eeyore's voice was in it as well. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot it was uh, Art Carney playing Santa. Yeah, he was phenomenal in that. I didn't know he was in another one. I've never seen the one where he played a demon. I'll have to look that up. I have the entire series, so I'll have to look that one up. Um, but I love that series so much. So, so freaking good. Uh, Zane says, there's an episode where the old man in the West needs meds and he somehow gets transported to the present and is able to obtain them when he wouldn't have in the past as the town wasn't there. Oh, oh, I hadn't seen that one. Um, when I think about war, one of the most powerful ones about war, which I'm pretty sure got, got a lot of criticism because I, I think there is some, uh, is it Asian face? Um, is the one where it's the soldiers and one of them, I believe, actually becomes one of the Japanese soldiers. It's, I think, during World War II, and he starts to re realize where they're coming from. And I forget exactly the episode, but it was one that makes you think of, ooh, okay, think about what other people are thinking and, you know, living through the other person's shoes for a moment. Uh, for a sci-fi, Winter Soldier is great and feels the most grounded it's a lot like they live, where you think it's going into something possibly happening in the real world. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely the, the best example. Uh, Cthulhu, the death episode was the woman being evicted from a basement apartment and finally accepting. The success, I think, was how play-like they were. Oh, yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a series where I've actually only ever really watched the episodes when they do the marathons. Every New Year's, they do the marathons, and that's when I would always watch the classics and find new episodes, too. But I need to really sit down and actually watch that entire series because I'm sure there are some that I have not watched over, over the course of many years. But, oh, man, so, so good. Orange Hat says, my favorite MCU film was Thor. It's a good film. God to learn humility to become the hero he's destined to be. And, and again, Kenneth Branagh did a phenomenal job. Yes, Rob D, I definitely need some ice cream and probably some tea. Father Miller says, the old woman and death was uh, an... Upping, upping Robert Redford as death. Oh. oh, upcoming Robert Redford. Okay. You said it looked like you were trying to put upcoming and then you put young father. Learn, learn to type, learn to type, go home. You're drunk. Let's see. It's Cavola 975. So many great old Twilight Zone episodes. A couple of my favorites, a passage for trumpets, a game of pool and the hunt. 
Um, the only one I recognize of that list is a game of pool. I agree. A game of pool is phenomenal. Great acting. And that was the other like main actor, mainstream actor that uh, Klugman. Klugman. Oh, my goodness. He has some good episodes, too. And that is, I think, the best. It is just, it's just, I want to be the best, right? And how often do we want to pursue something so much with every fiber of our being that we would almost be willing, and sometimes we do, right? We give up our very life. We give up our very existence for that thing. And I think it's a great lesson in, hey, things come with a price, and if what is truly important is not what we find to be the most important, problems can arise. All right, let's see. King and Rumsky says, your idea brings up a question. What do you think about that critic who says you have been Stuckmanized? Oh, Chris Stuckman, he used to be someone that I would go to. Ever since he he took the approach of, I'm not going to attack bad movies anymore. I'm not going to give films scores. And then, in my opinion, I honestly, and again, this is just my own feelings on this. I have no actual evidence or proof. Um, but I think that he stated certain things publicly because I, I honestly believe that he was trying to make it into Hollywood, and he knew that if he came out in a certain way that it would make it much easier for him to get into the business. I'm just going to be frank about that. I know that <laughs> it's just, you know, it is speculation, but based on everything, I mean, I, again, I used to watch his channel all the time. He was someone I trusted. I love his box office. Uh, I love his uh, Blu-ray collection videos and stuff, but, but uh, man, oh, man, I really do think that he just went off the rails, and he's still very popular. A lot of people have stuck by him, of course. Um, but it's just really sad because he used to be so influential for me. And I, I feel like he just, honestly, the reason why people followed him, it's it really feels like he just slapped people in the face. And I feel like he's tried to like maybe come back a little bit. But, yeah. Not not my thing. Yeah. Kimberly G, I agree. Uh, Dan, I think, fell off as well. I really do think he fell off too. And um, But that's not nearly as surprising because I feel like a lot of people associated with Collider and that entire team kind of got corrupted by that too. Uh, Laura. Oh, Laura, thank you very much for ending us on a high note. This will be the last thing I'll read for the night. Thank you for the $20 super chat. Saying thanks for the fun stream. Well, thank you very much. Very, very generous, Laura. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. And uh, I appreciate it. So anyway, that's going to be it for me tonight, everybody. I got to go rest my voice. Get some ice cream, maybe. I think I'm out of mine. Might have to borrow some of my wife's unless she's had some. Um, if not that, then I might just have to have a little tea with some honey. I don't like tea, but sometimes you got to... Have the things you don't like because it's something that's best for you. But anyway, you guys have been phenomenal. Uh, check me out Friday Night Tights this Friday. Saturday we'll have our evening stream. And uh, I go back to work tomorrow. We have our meetings. And then kids come back next week. It's insane that summer is already over. Today, my last technical day of summer. Yesterday was my last official day of summer. As meetings don't technically start till tomorrow. But anyway, you guys have all been phenomenal, amazing, beautiful people. Thank you all for sticking around. I don't know if there was issues. Apparently, my chat just said it was disconnected and reconnected. So I don't know what's going on there. But if you had issues chatting, I apologize. Sounds like it's YouTube's fault. And that is not surprising. 
Anyway, you guys have been phenomenal. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless.